It's Wednesday, February 28th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, February is Black History Month, a month we set aside as a nation to revisit our past sins and seek to fix our current failures. As a people that are called to defend the fatherless, and as a people who are adopted into the multicultural family of God, we must be a people who seek racial reconciliation and a people who seek forgiveness for all of the wrongs that we have created on this issue. Peter's says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 1,500 years before the tyranny of the American slavery and 2,000 years before the brutal 1960s and the fight for civil rights, there was one who willingly laid down his life. The Lamb of God was slain so that by his blood we would be healed and made a people, a holy race. This race is one made of all skin tones, languages, nations, and tribes. Jesus the Christ died for racial reconciliation, to reconcile all races of people from their nasty, filthy sin into his holy and perfect life. It's by his wounds that we truly find healing. Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Oh, our country needs healing. Our nation needs a moral compass. America has forsaken her true love. Battles are being lost in the courtroom. We have forgotten how to blush, Jeremiah 6.15. The adversary is not only dividing popular culture, but is exercising the sin of racism within our churches. Oh, and this is what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says. It says, For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who, may, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that we might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. Oh, beloved, Paul was, was talking to the church in Ephesus about breaking down the hostility between the Jew and the Gentile, between these two ethnos, ethnoses, between these two uh, uh, races. And, and he's saying God has brought us together in one, through one body, through the cross of Christ. He's therefore killed the hostility. And so as we look at February and Black History Month, oh, beloved white brother in the United States of America, we are called to reconciliation and we are called to repentance. And we are called to look to the body of Christ. Christ that has brought us together. Oh, there was a, a piece that was recently released by the Ethics, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And it beautifully states, it says, the struggle for civil rights in America advanced on multiple fronts. In the political realm, civil rights leaders pointed out how the American system was inconsistent with Jeffersonian principles of the self-evident truth that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Americans had to choose be an American as defined by the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence or be a white supremacist. You can't be both. Oh, but the civil rights movement was at its core 
or also an ecclesial movement. Martin Luther King Jr. was, after all, Reverend King, and many of those marching with him, singing before him, listening to him, were Christian clergy and laity. To the churches, especially the churches of the South, the civil rights pioneers sent a similar message to the one they sent to the governmental powers. You have to choose. Be a Christian or be a white supremacist. You can't be both. Segregation like slavery was ultimately shown to be what all human consciences already knew it to be. Not a political, not just a political injustice or a social inequity, but also a sin against God and neighbor and a repudiation of the gospel. For conservative Christians, we must be careful. It is to our shame that we ignored our own doctrines to advance something as clearly demonic as racial pride. We must remember how far we have to go as Americans to see the promise of racial justice realized. We must prayerfully seek gospel unity in our own congregations. And as we pause to consider racial unity, let us continue to ask the Father to make us one in Christ. Oh, beloved brother and sister in Christ, we have made racial reconciliation a social issue and not a gospel issue. The truth is our bloodlines are not skin deep, but run deep down into our souls. Our brothers and sisters are dark, chocolate, pearly, white, and all shades in between. We are a kaleidoscope of the creativity of our Father. We are image bearers of our Daddy. Christ died to redeem us as one united race under the banner of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. Oh, the gospel is so beautiful as it weaves a tapestry of grace throughout all people groups, all ethoses, and all shades of skin as we are reminded that we are no longer slaves to sin, but sons and daughters of Almighty God. As sons, yes, even as heirs of the Almighty, our mission is to go, is to go into all cultures, is to go into all nations, is to go into all races, is to go in all neighborhoods, all regions and religions to reclaim the excellencies of the gospel of the kingdom of our Father. And so as Romans 12:15 says, we therefore go and we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. One of the many gospel-driven steps towards engagement in racial reconciliation involves orphan care, foster care, and adoption. Our families, our lives, and our perspectives change when we step into the multicultural world of foster care and orphan care and adoption. We no longer see people as projects, but we see them as image bearers of Christ who eagerly desire and need authentic relationship. When we begin to journey to care for the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow, we enter into the very heart of God for a kingdom and a, and a people of all socioeconomic levels, all races, all cultures, all nations, and all languages. Cross-cultural adoptive and foster families soon learn the complexities and real realities of the sins of racism, bigotry, resentment, and prejudice. These families begin quickly to understand that the kingdom of God is more precious because it's only in our Father's family that the differences in our epidermis are truly celebrated. Uh, As I come back from Columbia and the precious time I got to spend there with the local church and with these 130 foster families, training them and equipping them and and visiting with our brothers and sisters in the church, we, we saw that one of the issues that even these foster families in Columbia were having is the issue of racial prejudice. That, that many of these children that were coming to them were Afro-Colombian or were from many uh, poorer places.
classes or, or socioeconomic levels. And, and it was hard on these families. It was hard to, to step into this world. Oh, but the call of Christ to step into the world to care for the poor, the needy, the orphan, and the widow, it brings us to a place that is not within our comfort zone. And it brings us to a place where we have to look at our own hearts. Oh, beloved, as we step into this world, this messy world of orphan care, as we step into this messy world of foster care, as we step into this messy world of adoption, what really we are stepping into is the healing of, 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 of bringing back together what God had intended. He never intended that people would, would fight. He never intended that people would not get along or resent each other, but he intended that there would be a people who would come together and praise the glorious name of our Father. And, and so I ask us, do we yearn for the coming of Jesus? Are we more in love with this fallen sinful, sinful world and our ambitions and our agendas? Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, invade us with your grace, your gospel, and your glory. May we spread the seeds of your kingdom to reconcile races to you. Oh, we want to see all races. We want to see all ethnoses and all cultures and all tribes and all languages come to know the excellencies of our Father. And if we are living in the United States, it is our responsibility to reach out to our neighbors. It is our responsibility to show kingdom hospitality to all people. It is our responsibility to open up our churches, that our churches would look more like the kingdom of God and not more like the people who look like us when we look in the mirror. It is the responsibility of the Lord's children to show rec racial reconciliation and the gospel in caring for the fatherless. And so I want to ask, has, has the Lord put your family in a place where you could adopt or foster a precious child in need? Or in doing so, disciple them in the gospel of Christ? May the Lord burn you today with his command in James 1.27 to care for orphans in their distress. Because when we care for these children and when we step into this world, we are putting together the kingdom of God. We are putting it back the way it was meant to be. Oh, Revelation 5, verses 9 through 10, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Oh, and so as we look at Black History Month, may we repent of our racism and our ethnocentrism. This year is also a big year as we remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was 50 years ago to, on April 4th, 1968, that Dr. King was mercilessly killed in Memphis, Tennessee. And so as we look to the life and the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, we are reminded of how far we have come, yet how far we still have to go. Dr. King was a principled man and a deeply devoted follower of Jesus Christ who had a simple dream that the word of God would be realized and that the glory of God's reign would be seen on earth as it is in heaven. Dr. King's dream is the echo of scripture and a reiteration of John's prophetic vision and revelation of a tribe of all nations. Dr. King, Dr. King's famous speech on August 28, 1963 in Washington, D.C., it, it will be entrenched in the annals of American history, and rightfully so. But let us make sure that Dr. King's message does not become antiquated in secularism, that it's not just something that we celebrate in our government, but let us see that that speech, that I had a dream speech, was truly a call to seek the Lord of hosts. This is what Martin Luther King said and how he rounded out that speech. He said, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, down in 
Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day, right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as brothers and sisters. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we all allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join together and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God almighty, we are free at last. Dr. King understood that no matter the inexcusable inequality here on earth, and specifically in segregated South, God's rule and reign would be of all people, and that God's adopted family isn't colorblind, but a beautiful tapestry of skin tones and melanin. One day, we will all bow a knee to our Creator. One day, we will all praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And one day, we will truly join hands with brothers and sisters who might not look alike, but are more a part of us than if we were born into the same family. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.